Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program are still sitting pretty with a top 10 recruiting class. But that doesn't mean that they've addressed all their needs quite yet. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI. I thank y'all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both wherever you get your audio podcasts daily and also on YouTube. We've got a lot to dive into on this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Gamecocks. We're going to discuss a baseball assistant coach departing for another SEC program, how it all went down, and what it might mean for South Carolina moving forward. But for the majority of today's show, we're going to talk about a lot regarding South Carolina's recruiting efforts on the football front. And specifically, this objective statement. The Gamecocks still possess a top 10 overall class as of right now. But Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program still have some specific needs that they need to address by the end of the 2024 recruiting cycle. Now, here's the thing. When I'm talking about specific needs here, I'm not just talking about positions of need like wide receiver or running back or offensive line. I'm not talking about that generic point. What I'm talking about is specific needs on the football field, certain skill sets that this football team needs to attain or replace if they want to continue to progress over the coming years in the SEC. So that's kind of where I want to go with the start of today's show. So let's start off with the biggest need that I think South Carolina still needs to address in this cycle, which is they need to get a great to an elite pass rusher with both athleticism and technique and be able to pair them up with Desmond Umeozulu at the edge position. And the guy who would fill this need is pretty obvious here. It's Dylan Stewart, the five-star edge rusher out of the Washington, D.C. area. Dylan Stewart possesses the explosive burst. He has great overall upper body movement with his hands. And he's got the overall body dexterity and bend to be a elite pass rusher at the next level. South Carolina, from a personnel standpoint, they are also losing edge rusher Jordan Stratton after the 2023 season. Unless Stratton gets hurt again and maybe gets another waiver, this is going to be his final year of eligibility. And besides Desmond Mayo-Zulu and possibly Brian Thomas Jr., the Gamecocks currently don't have anyone else on this roster that possesses a high-level combination of both athleticism and technique. And here's the thing. I know that some might be thinking that if you get a guy like Dylan Stewart and pair him up with Desmond Mayo-Zulu, well, you've got two pass rushing specialists right there. Here's the thing, though. I think that Umeo-Zulu has both the body frame and also the work ethic to be a weak side defensive end, a guy that basically is expected to play the run a little bit better 
then maybe the edge rush specialist role has to play on the opposite side of the formation. I think that Desmond flashed this a couple times in the Under Armour All-America game back in January. He forced a fumble in that game when he correctly played a down block from an offensive tackle on an inside run play. So I think that Umeo Zulu has the potential to do that. And you get a guy like Dylan Stewart paired up with him. South Carolina is set in terms of their starting defensive ends for the next several seasons to come. The second biggest need that Shane Beamer and South Carolina need to address by the end of this cycle is this team needs to find a speed demon at wide receiver, but not just a speed demon. They need to find a speed demon that can affect the game at every single level. And once again, I think that it's pretty clear which prospect could fulfill that need. And that is Jonathan Paler out of the state of North Carolina. Jonathan Paler is a complete playmaker who can affect the game in both the passing and rushing attack and also affect the game on special teams with his return ability. And this is the other thing to take into account. The Gamecocks already have got some good speed on this roster that's going to be around for a while in Nicholas Harper. South Carolina's already got a wide receiver commit in the 2024 class in Mazio Bennett, who's got a good combination of speed, a good release off the last scrimmage, and also solid route running, which could make Mazio Bennett a really big play threat at the next level. You pair up Jonathan Paler with Nicholas Harper and Mazio Bennett, you've got a trio of wide receivers who could all be starters in college football at this wide receiver spot, and they all possess really really solid speed. That is something that you've got to have in modern football today on the offensive side. The Gamecocks could get that if they get Jonathan Paler. And the thing is, Jonathan Paler, he's not just a guy that could just run past people down the field. He can also take short passes or screens for six, and he can also break tackles with his built five foot nine, sub 200 pound frame. Trust me, from a overall number standpoint, he might not pop off the page, but you meet Jonathan Paler in real life or you see photos of him, uh, this guy lives in the weight room for a guy his size, so you cannot underestimate him in that aspect either. And the thing is, the Gamecocks, they are losing a ton of wide receivers after 2023. They're expected to lose guys like Juice Wells, Amarian Brown, Eddie Lewis, and Xavier Lookett, and also to carry on joining if you want to throw him in there as well. So South Carolina, from just a pure number standpoint, they clearly need wide receivers in this class, but they can't just take any wide receivers. They need guys that are going to fulfill certain needs or at least be able to replace some of the skill sets of some of the guys that are walking out the door. I think Jonathan Paler could very well do that if the Gamecocks can land him over the likes of NC State and North Carolina. And then the last need that South Carolina has got to address in this 2024 class is they've got to find a do-it-all back. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. These kind of running backs, they do not grow on trees. However, South Carolina is heavily in the game for, in my opinion, one of the better all-around running back prospects in the country this year in Mississippi native Daniel Hill. When I say all-around back, I'm talking about a guy that can block from the backfield or even go out wide and block. He can catch the football at a very high level, and he can also run through people. Daniel Hill's the rare running back that can do all these things very effectively. And here's the thing. 
We've talked about this before multiple times on the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. The Gamecocks have some neat pieces in their running back room as things currently stand. And sure, they're not losing any running backs after the 2023 season outside of maybe a Dante Miller if he's still going to be eligible to play this upcoming fall. But again, we talked about this. All these guys, they offer sort of specialized skill sets at this level. To carry on, Joyner is a guy that could do a little bit of everything, but he hasn't played running back since his early days in high school. Meyer Anderson Jr., he is a downhill one-cut type of running back, not necessarily a guy that's going to juke anyone out of their cleats, and not somebody that's probably going to be seen catching a bunch of swing passes all the time. Juju McDowell, he can do that for you, the problem is, he just does not have the biggest frame in the world, so he's not going to be able to break tackles too often. Daniel Hill can literally address all of that by South Carolina just getting his commitment. So, if the Gamecocks can get Dylan Stewart, a great edge rusher with athleticism and technique, a speed demon wide receiver in Jonathan Palin that can affect the game in multiple ways at each and every level, and to do it all back in Daniel Hill, they would address their three biggest needs in terms of on-field play for the South Carolina football team by the end of this 2024 recruiting cycle. Now, South Carolina has got a lot of notable prospects that they are still in the game for, and I just mentioned multiple guys that you can argue the Gamecocks currently lead for at this time, but there's another guy that South Carolina has apparently been sort of lacking behind for for a little while now, but with what he did on Monday, it seems like there's still a outside chance, a possibility that the Gamecocks could still land a really really talented defensive back out of the state of Georgia. We'll discuss who that is and what all he did on Monday in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. But first, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel, where right now, as a new customer, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. The Braves are doing really good right now in the National League East, and a big reason for that is because of their star players like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Spencer Strider. Ronald Acuna Jr. is currently a favorite to win the National League MVP, and Spencer Strider is in contention for the National League Cy Young Award. And FanDuel has created a parlay bet where if you're a fan that think that both of these players can win those respective awards, then you can put money down on plus 1,200 odds right this second. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Lockdown's NBA Mock Draft special is here, and it's bigger than ever before. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience only Lockdown can deliver. All episodes are available now on Lockdown NBA Big Board on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, let's continue to talk about some recruiting for South Carolina's football program. And more specifically, a particular target that I don't think the Gamecocks are out of the running for just yet. And that target that I'm talking about is Cam Michael. 
the cornerback prospect out of the state of Georgia. Now, speaking of Georgia, Cam Michael has been viewed for the past several months as a heavy lean to the Bulldogs, and there's a couple reasons for this. Cam has, first of all, taken five visits to Athens up to this point in the recruiting process. He is a blue-chip defender that, again, is from the state of Georgia, and Georgia happens to be the most successful program right now in college football, the back-to-back defending national champions. So, this one seems like it'd be pretty clear-cut and dry, right? There'd be no way that Cam Michael would go anywhere else but Georgia. You could probably still make the argument for that today. However, I would argue that there are a couple of different ways to interpret this recruitment. In a sense, I think that there's still a chance South Carolina could get themselves at least back in this thing and maybe, just maybe, have an outside chance to land Cam Michael. South Carolina has hosted Cam for three different visits in Columbia to this point. His most recent visit being his official visit, which took place back on the weekend of June 9th through the 11th. Georgia, the thing that to remember with the Bulldogs is they are now a program where if you're a top-notch prospect or you're maybe a borderline top 100, top 150 prospect, then you can't really wait that long to make a decision to get in a program's class like Georgia's because Georgia's got so many other prospects that are just as good as you, if not better, according to the rankings, that are also going to be in that class. And here's the thing. Georgia already has four blue-chip defensive back prospects in the fold for their 2024 class, and that includes two four-star cornerbacks that I believe both rank in the top 130 or 150 according to the consensus rankings out there. And here's the other thing. Cam Michael, for a kid that seemingly is a lock to go to Georgia, he's not acting like it. He has scheduled two official visits for the fall to make it to a game both at Kentucky and also at Tennessee. Admittedly, the Tennessee game, I think the Volunteers and Bulldogs are playing that weekend. So again, maybe you could just say he's doing that just to be able to see Georgia play. But that's not the case with Kentucky on that end. And here's the biggest thing. The big reason why I feel like that there still is a possibility that this recruitment is not over yet. Cam Michael released a top 14 on Monday that included South Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee, and a bunch of other schools as well. So my question here is this. If this kid from the state of Georgia is going to end up with the Bulldogs at the end of the day, knowing the fact that Georgia's already got 19 commitments for this class, including four defensive back commits, Why would this kid wait so long? Why would he continue to go through this process as if, quite frankly, it's wide open right now? As if nobody is heavily in the lead for him. It just does not make sense. This is not adding up to me. And again, you could still make the argument that at the end of the process, K.I. Kell is still going to end up in Athens. You 100% could do that. But South Carolina... They do have a couple of things that could go their way here. Firstly, South Carolina, compared to Georgia right now, they still need another cornerback in their recruiting class. They've only got Braden Lee right now from the DMV region, and they're also fighting tooth and nail with the Florida State Seminoles to get Jalewis Sullivan. 
But again, Georgia, they already got two cornerbacks in their class. And here's the other thing. We all know that Georgia can develop on the defensive side of the ball. We know that they can send guys to the league. But if there's one position coach on South Carolina staff outside of Pete Lembo that could at least maybe match what the secondary coach for Georgia does at that respective position, then it is Torian Gray. I think that Torian Gray, in terms of his track record of development, he can match up with some of the best in the entire sport. We got to remember... This is the same defensive backs coach that took a former walk-on in Jalen Foster in his first year in 2021, made this guy a Walter Camp All-American in his one season as a full-time starter in South Carolina secondary. Camp Smith, yes, already had a ton of talent before Torian Gray ever got to Columbia. But Cam Smith had his two best seasons in his Gamecock career while Torian Gray was here at South Carolina. I think you got to give some of the credit there at least to Torian Gray. Darius Rush, a guy that had only been a defensive back for a year when Torian Gray arrived here in Columbia. And at the beginning, things were a little bit shaky when he was working under Torian Gray's tutelage. But Darius Rush wound up eventually becoming a mid-round draft pick to the Indianapolis Colts, in large part thanks to the teaching and development that he got from Touring Gray. Nick Evanward was a freshman All-American, according to multiple outlets, this past fall. Again, you could probably argue that he was very underrated, and he already had a lot of talent to go with the size and everything that he brought. But, again, Touring Gray you got to also give that man a ton of credit for the fact that he was able to do this as a true freshman. Carlin Splatel, an unsung guy from the 2021 season, came from Assumption College of all places. And right now, I think, is still currently battling to make an NFL roster, but has gotten multiple camp invites. Has at least gotten multiple opportunities to make a roster. That would not have happened if it wasn't for a guy like Torian Gray. So again, that's not to say that Georgia's secondary coach probably could not do the same thing. I'm sure that they got a great recruiter and a good developer with their secondary as well over there in Athens. But Torian Gray could, in my opinion, at least match that when it comes to his resume. So again, at the end of the day, could Cam Michael still end up at Georgia? He absolutely could. I fully acknowledge that. All I'm saying is this, do not count out South Carolina just yet. Do not just assume this recruitment is over because based on what Cam Michael has done with his recruitment over the past couple of weeks in terms of his itinerary and releasing this top 14 on Monday, I just don't know if this recruitment is over just yet. And if that's the case, give Torian Gray and South Carolina a chance here. They could very well end up pulling off potentially a shocker by the end of this cycle. Alrighty, we've talked a lot about South Carolina football recruiting up to this point in the show. We've also, for the most part, been pretty optimistic about what we've discussed, but now we're going to switch gears to a topic that sort of seemed to divide the fan base on Monday morning, heading into Monday afternoon. As on Monday... It was reported by multiple outlets in Mississippi State and, of course, confirmed by Coach Justin Parker himself, basically, that he is leaving his post at South Carolina to take the same position with Mississippi 
state. Now, I know that there's a lot of thoughts that have probably run through Gamecock fans' minds since this whole thing took place, since rumblings started to come out this past weekend that Mississippi State was making a big push here for Justin Parker. And those thoughts have sort of ranged from, you know, how can we lose an assistant coach to Mississippi State, a program that obviously is a good one in the SEC, but one that has struggled mightily over the past couple years, you know, is South Carolina being cheap in this entire process? Did we actually just get outbid by Mississippi State, who just snagged our pitching coach? What all happened here? Here's my overall thoughts on what all went down. I can't confirm myself the main reason why Coach Justin Parker left. I do know that it has been reported, again, by certain outlets, especially from Mississippi State side of things, but they apparently offered Justin Parker double the salary that he was currently making here at South Carolina. I don't care who you are and what profession that you work in. If you get a job offer from another company or another employer and the offer includes getting double the salary that you're currently making in that moment, unless your current work situation is just that good, it is really hard to turn down that kind of an offer. And because of the fact this took so long, it doesn't seem like that this was a clear-cut and dry move here for Justin Parker. It seemed like that maybe he didn't want to leave South Carolina. But at the end of the day, for one reason or another, things just did not work out. Whether it was South Carolina just did not want to match Mississippi State, I I, I couldn't tell you that for certain, admittedly. Um, I do feel like that if South Carolina wanted to keep Justin Parker that badly then they would have found a way to do so. I can't imagine that, you know, they would have run into issues, especially considering the fact that with athletic director Ray Tanner, for as much as fans criticize him, remember the man used to be the baseball coach here. You know he cares about that sport. You also should understand that not every decision just goes through him. He's got other people that he's got to deal with when it comes to these different processes and trying to come to a resolution with certain problems, okay? So don't lay it all on him if that's what you think went down. That's my first thing. Here's the other thing to note. South Carolina, it seems that they've already got a replacement in mind here. In Liberty pitching coach Matt Williams, it's been reported by multiple people that he very likely, unless they hit any snags, will be the next pitching coach here at South Carolina. This took place very quickly after the news broke that Justin Parker was going to leave South Carolina from Mississippi State. And I think that that's something that fans should remember because this tells me that this decision has been made for a little while now. That Justin Parker, look, he got a good offer from Mississippi State. Maybe South Carolina just felt like, hey, we don't need to match the money with Mississippi State because we know we got other guys out there that we could get. Maybe they felt like that they would not have had a just absolute net loss if Justin Parker left for Starkville. And that is not meant to degrade what Justin Parker did, which I'll get into in just a moment. But the fact that this news broke very quickly about the fact that Matt Williams is the target for South Carolina with their pitching coach position tells me that, you know, this wasn't something that just happened suddenly where it caught South Carolina completely off guard. I don't believe that to be the case here based on how quickly that part of the equation played out. And that leads me to my last point regarding Justin Parker himself. 
I understand how fans get when it comes to a coach leaving or a certain player maybe leaving one of your favorite sports teams at your favorite school and you don't see it coming. We all get emotional about it or, you know, fans get emotional about it. You get an emotional response. You don't know what to think. You almost in a weird way feel like that you've been portrayed even though you don't know, you know, the player or the coach on a personal level. It just hits you differently, especially when it comes to college sports and just how close the bond is between college fan bases and their respective schools. So I understand all of that. But I will say this, let's not turn around here and act like Justin Parker did not do anything while he was here at South Carolina. Okay, Let, let's not do that. And I know that for the most part, a lot of fans are not doing that, that a lot of them are happy for him. They're happy that he is going to make, you know, some potentially life-changing money here at Mississippi State. Money that he can use to invest. Money that he can use and save down the road for maybe college funds for his kids. All that good stuff. But I also know that there is a portion of this fan base that is going to act like Justin Parker. It was fine for us to let him go. It's not any sort of loss at all, but that... It's because he did not do a whole lot here in Columbia. That is 100% not the case. You look at what he did while he was here at South Carolina. This guy took Noah Hall, who was a reliever at the start of the 2022 season, and made him one of the best starting pitchers in the SEC. If it wasn't for his back injury in 2023, Noah Hall, without a doubt, would have been one of the top five pitchers in this conference. I have no question about that you've got to give Justin Parker credit for that Eli Jones a rising junior literally got brought here and started as a true freshman under Justin Parker's tutelage he has become one of the better relievers in the SEC and I think that again you have to attribute that partly to Justin Parker James Hicks and Jack Mahoney think of the stories that those two guys have Jack Mahoney Tommy John's surgery in his freshman season, back in 2021, isn't able to pitch last year for South Carolina. Heading into the 2022 offseason, is like, I want to go back on the mound. That's where I feel like I'm going to make my money. That's where I feel like my future lies. And so, Justin Parker has to take a guy that he has never really coached up to that point, and he now has him as one of his starting pitchers. Jack Mahoney was one of the best pitchers in the country, at the end of this season, pitched a lot of big innings and big games for South Carolina, helped them get to a Super Regional. James Hicks, junior college transfer, has Tommy John surgery early in the 2022 season, got hurt, I believe, in his second start. This year, he gets relegated to sort of a bullpen role. A lot of guys, first of all, would have had an issue with that. James Hicks seemingly took it quite well. I think you also got to give Justin Parker credit for that transition. James Hicks wound up being, again, one of the best pitchers in this conference. Justin Parker, again, looking at him, you got to give him some credit for that. So my overall point bringing up all these guys and their individual stories is this. Justin Parker was a reason why a lot of the best pitchers in this staff did as well as they did at South Carolina in the last year or two. He has a track record of development that he created here at South Carolina. And multiple pitchers this past season in interviews said, nobody makes a better game plan than Justin Parker. Obviously, at times, 
you take some of that stuff and you say, that's a thousand percent player speak or coach speak. But when multiple guys say that, I don't think that that's player speak. I don't think that they're just trying to give the media something just to basically make them get out of the media room quicker. I think that they mean that 1,000%. So let's not act like Justin Parker is not a loss. However, of course, South Carolina's baseball program, it's an historic program, and they've had plenty of coaches come and go here in Columbia. So you do have to imagine that South Carolina is still going to find a great coach to fill in the role that Justin Parker is leaving behind. But my point being, don't be spiteful about him leaving. Wish him well in Starkville. Of course, unless Mississippi State winds up playing South Carolina sometime down the road. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What do you think the biggest on-field needs are that South Carolina still needs to address in the 2024 recruiting cycle? Do you think the Gamecocks still have a chance with Cam Mike Kell? And lastly, what are your overall thoughts on Justin Parker leaving for the same position at Mississippi State? Let me know your thoughts on all those topics down below in the comments section. If you watch today's show on YouTube or send me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's show. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.